Step into a world where ancient wisdom meets modern mysticism. Introducing the Gnostic Tarot, a powerful fusion of esoteric art and Gnostic themes designed for those who seek the ultimate Gnosis. This mesmerizing deck, rich in symbolism, draws from the profound teachings of Gnosticism, serving as an ideal companion for meditation, reflection, and the exploration of spiritual realms. Whether you are a seasoned tarot enthusiast or new to the practice, the Gnostic Tarot caters to all, offering a portal to ancient wisdom and a tool for uncovering the hidden truths in your mystical journey. Unveil the mysteries, embrace the wisdom. The Gnostic Tarot is a timeless companion for your spiritual odyssey. Take a journey with Gnostic luminaries and learn their stories in a visually stunning manner. From Sophia to the Gnostic Christ, their journey is your self-discovery. Choose from the basic deck or the deluxe version, which includes a beautifully crafted journey book and a magnetic storage box, ensuring that your Gnostic Tarot remains a treasured companion on your spiritual quest. The Gnostic Tarot is an original and collaborative effort between Miguel Connor Veyon by Gnostic Radio and Matthew Schmitz of Altrusian Grace Media. Visit our website to embark on your journey today. Syncrasis Publishing, where ancient wisdom and modern mysticism converge. Happy Heresies and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Welcome to Aeon Bite. My name is Miguel Connor and I am your Pompidus of Gnosis. And for those of you watching on video across the various video platforms, that was the Gnostic Tarot promotion. Check it out. Check it out on the show notes. It's been selling really well. We are really impressed and even better. People who are using this deck are getting the results they want, regardless of their level or desire or experience. So there is magic in the air. And tonight we certainly will have a lot of magic. We will go stellar to the stars, to the final frontier, which is always your true self. So it's an inner journey, too. So very excited tonight to have Alexandra Blair. Alexandra, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, cool. Hi. Hi, Miguel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I have to agree with uh, Sam in the chat. It looks like a really beautiful deck of cards. Indeed, yes. And the chat, yeah, good place to keep your eyes on, sometimes for better or worse. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we will try to make sure that uh, there is no Wittico in the chat that will turn it into the Chitico, keep those archons away. And for this, and always to keep us company in the stars, we have the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing? Oh, I got stars in my eyes tonight. So interested to see how Hellenistic astrology differs from Linda Goodman's Sun Signs book. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) We shall see. And yes, thank you very much for those of you coming on the chat. Of course, there will be a replay. And I hope everybody is recovering from the the Super Bowl and all its rich symbolism and effects and all that in this crazy 2024. But we shall, uh, yeah, this is a great uh, a great uh, tonic for all the craziness out there. So, Alexandra, let's start with you. How did you become a heretic? Oh, it's a great question, and it was a real accident. I fell through a back door. Um, 
I come from a very atheistic background. And even when I started getting into the occult, I really had a like it's archetypes, you know, outlook on things um, that I'm still recovering from for sure, because I've had too many experiences uh, slap me in the face to hang on to to that. But I was a real skeptic and not very kind to a lot of people in my life who practiced astrology. And, you know, seven or eight years ago, I just kind of started learning because I was interested, maybe even uh, spitefully or something like that. But the more I learned, the more was revealed to me and became very clear as often the Gnostic arts can be and the occults and esoteric arts can be just these sort of universal currents of truth were very accessible and that's how I started learning. I think I started like most people, uh, like the Moondog Vance mentioned with <laughs> sun sign astrology. I think that's what most people are familiar with. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the more I dug and the more I learned and found these ancient texts that were available, some for the first time, you know, since before the common era, I found even more truth and even more exciting accuracy with this, which is really like I consider to be a science uh, and a little bit of an art. And if somebody asks you, well, what's the point of this science? What what does it do for you? What do you tell them? That's a great question. I surely would reflexively dodge that question and answer <laughs> that the Stoics of the Hellenistic era believed that knowing what would happen to us was kind of the first step towards jumping 10 steps on the spiritual affect chart up towards resignation and getting to that sort of blissed out resignation, like whatever happens to me is going to happen. I I think I, I'm still at a question mark place of I'm not really sure personally what what this is all driving towards. I just am perpetually fascinated by the accuracy and the technique and the method. And honestly, for me as an astrologer, not for me as a, a reader of my own chart, but I am so just floored that I'm able to help bring people knowledge about their life and what's going on. And, you know, looking at people's charts and being able to say, hey, something big's happening in your work next year. And I can't tell you how many times someone goes, that makes no sense. Like I'm going up for this promotion now. Like, I don't know, I'm seeing April. There's something big happening in April. Oh, all of a sudden I hear back, oh, the thing was postponed and now the board's meeting in March. So I'm going to hear in mm -hmm. April. It's just incredible that I'm able to give that to people. And so that's really cool. And my ability to do that just mystifies me all the time as well. So that's kind of my my take and my interest in this. Good answer. Yeah, I think it makes sense because... When I started younger reading astrological charts or you go to some other things like tarot or these days the I Ching is my thing. It's like certainty, certainty is what we want, right? We want to know the future. We want to know if he or she loves us. We want, but then as you start going through, you go deeper, you realize, no, it's kind of embracing the uncertainty and just seeing what's going on inside of me. Do you feel that way too? Absolutely. It's like like you just said, our egos are just along for the ride. It's what's taking us on this ride that we, that unknowable thing that's like a wave taking us somewhere. Yeah. I think in my youth, I was very preoccupied with the question of like, 
why is it taking me and where is it taking me and what is it that's taking me? And now I just don't even, I don't even find that quite very interesting anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unless, and of course, sometimes you have a crisis or something and you need to really lean into these things so they can sort of uh, give you a scaffold, a template, something to show you what you might be missing, what blind sides you have. So helpful too. Absolutely. It it can be very helpful. And I will say it's a common joke among astrologers, but my, my chart is, I mean, pun intended, my chart is Greek to me. I can't, <laughs> I have nothing, no insights. I can't read my own chart. I can't see anything coming in my life. I was blindsided by having a child. <laughs> like <laughs> So um, my chart is totally Greek to me. I'm just like way too biased. And even my partner, you know, I it's very hard. And I've talked to other professional astrologers and they all send their partners to other professional astrologers and everyone goes and has someone else read their chart because you're just too close to yourself and you can't be dispassionate. And in Hellenistic astrology, one of the key differences between sun sign astrology and, and or modern psychological astrology and Hellenistic astrology is that in the traditional world, people were much more willing to t- talk about and accept and negotiate the fact that bad things happen to you. And in some of the more modern versions of astrology, we will do quite an intricate tap dance to avoid (laughs) ever acknowledging that something bad might happen to a client or to ourselves. And that can be really difficult. That's part of why it can be so hard for me to, you know, read my own chart. It's never easy to just look at it and be like, oh, I'm going to go through a 20 year financial crisis. Cool. <laughs> Transformation, right? <laughs> That's exactly how I've been branding it because I have a, an, a Pluto transit for the next 20 years in my, in my finances. So hopefully it's a transformation and hopefully it's an ascendant one. Hmm. Interesting. What about you, Vance? Do you use uh, divination methods these days? I know you you dabble in a lot of them. Yeah, more in the past. You know, I I actually got to the point where I was reading charts for people and so forth. Um, <clears throat> not only, mostly birth charts, you know, the whole nine yards. You had used yeah. computer programs and guidebooks and so forth because I, I was never really good enough to uh, just do everything, read a chart off the top of my head. Well, that's a that's a great skill. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah, no, but but I wasn't. I I couldn't read the chart off the top of my head. I could read the chart and then look at the aspects and what was in what houses and so forth and all that. Um, and then I um, had my bout with tarot cards, the Crowley deck, which is a, a nice cheat cheat code deck because it's got all the astrological signs on it and the uh, yeah. signals and so forth. But uh, not much of a not much of a really. I I, I did it in the eighties basically. It was, it was that long ago. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head with the Linda Goodman reference because <laughs> really that book like is almost single-handedly responsible for the modern revival of interest. And in, it's like it skyrocketed. It made it part of our public consciousness. And now we live in an era where yep. um, I would say like 90% of the people you talk to know their sun sign for sure. Yep. And the newspapers and all that. Yeah, but it's more popular than ever. Anything new age. And and, uh, I don't want to start with the heavy stuff, Alexandra, but I have to. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, blame fate, the stoic Uh idea of fate. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But um, one thing is I have gotten away from astrology because it never works out for me. And I've had 
like a really good friend, my friend Maja Daou, just spent some time doing this astrological chart. And I finally, and I, we worked on it and nothing happened. The opposite happened with this. Then I have a, a Jungian advisor and we did uh, Gurdjieff's Ennead. Is that the, I'm not, maybe not pronouncing it right, but she was like, this is not you. Well, I, can you redo it? And I redid it and it's not you. And she, being a youngian, found out who I was, but realized as a child, because I had a traumatic childhood, I had created a completely different persona that I showed mm -hmm. the world. And uh, I was, and I told Maja, "Well, what about the astrological chart?" And she said, "Wow, because she is putting out a book actually this spring that says that yes, our shadow and parts of ourselves can actually." fool these divinatory tools like astrology, tarot, uh, Gurdjieff's Enneagram and stuff like yeah. that. So that it kind of changes the game big time. It's not because again, shadow work has become important and fragmented cells totally. is important and egregores are important. And of course, well, what's the solution? And this is where it plays really well into the future we're going. The solution is obviously it hasn't changed, right? The Oracle of Adelphi, know thyself, know what your body's yeah. telling you, what you're into. Number two, women's intuition. A woman's intuition can navigate, like what happened with me, because my advisors were both female, can navigate. And sometimes my wife does the terror and she's like, ah, F this. I know this is this is what's going to happen. And 99% yeah. of the time she's right because she follows her gut. So I'm very happy that new age is getting popular because i feel this is something that is bringing out the power of the female in this era and without that power as we can see civilization is totally screwed but anyway <laughs> i hope i didn't throw too much on you but no I no 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 i mean i definitely before i do any kind of astrology work uh i light my apollo candle i make a little offering mm -hmm. i do some little carnips i tap into my intuition and um, it's interesting because, you know, we think of this, we think we have such a different paradigm with which we couch that word divination. And, and like back in the day, everything was divination. There was, they didn't even really have, you know, in the Hellenistic era, a concept of randomness in the same way that we do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if they needed to make a legal decision or something, they would cast lots and say, well, that's God's way. Um, the God's ways because they just had no concept of, of randomness. So I am, I'm just on a, a journey of transformation as, as Vance <laughs> said, with the divinatory arts, especially coming from, you know, a real hardcore skeptic, like kind of an asshole, if I can say that on this show uh, background, <laughs> you know, I've come a long way, but I think what you're talking about it is a really good starting point to just talk about the difference between traditional sure. astrology. Um, I practice Hellenistic, which is one type of traditional astrology and the more modern type of astrology, because in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, there was this real effort, particularly by one individual, but there was just a kind of a cultural effort to make astrology easier to understand and to make it a system. Kind of like we mentioned tarot, you know, tarot was, sort of a closed system and it had its own internal logic. And that is what kind of happened with astrology. Now, part of that is because a lot of these texts were just lost to time. Like we didn't have access to a lot of what was going on in the Hellenistic 
era until those texts were translated in the 80s and 90s, right? So what could we have done? But it really happened, this effort to make astrology easier to understand happened at a time where it really tied in with Jungian and Freudian interests. And it became a lot more about the inner landscape and about psychology and about the individual. Now, in a Hellenistic chart, the individual is one is in one or two areas of the chart. And the rest of what's in that chart is what's happening in your spouse's life, what's happening in your family's life, what's happening in your career. Um, and it has a lot more to do, I find, with things that are happening to you and things that are happening to you, you know, over time in the future, in the past, rather than revealing the psychological landscape. Did they have houses then? Is that what yes. the houses were used for? Oh, I see. Yeah. So just like you said, Vance, like each house was associated with a topic and we can get into yeah. that in a minute. I have some, some uh, visuals we can, we can look at. Sure. So it's just more holistic. It's showing you the flow of the universe. Like you said, the ancients as above, so below, it was, everything was yeah. correspond. It wasn't so much that the gods were affecting you is that you were connected to the gods and you had to be aligned. Everything had to be aligned to work. Yeah. I think it, it reveals signatures or like patterns mm. that unfolds. And for some people, those patterns can unfold multiple times over and over. Like if you've ever met someone like that, who's just stuck in the same pattern and you watch it and you watch it and you watch it. Um, I'm thinking of people I know right now. Um, but I'm then, you know, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also charts where you can see maybe one concrete big event and the chart is telling you about that one event and maybe telling you less about other things. Um, and so it's important to say that any, you know, quality astrological consult really should be a dialogue. Coming from a skeptic's background, I think when I first started getting readings, I expected someone to lift up the veil and just tell me stuff that, you know, put stars in my eyes. But I think that the best readings I've ever done are readings where the client really opened up to me and told me things and I could really pull things out. And then we can really see how wow, this planet has such a chokehold on your life. So let's look at what's going on with that planet for the next 10 years so that we can tell you what's going on. And you said uh, a skeptic and, and at some point you were like, oh, archetypes. You, you Sometimes the Jungian way is kind of a cheap way, a middle ground where you don't have yes. to take a stance. Like, But you say now you uh, are you devoted to Apollo and you see him as um, more of an archetype than an archetype? Yeah, I think I was uh in a in a you know, chaos magic archetypes. Let's no. just do what works. I'll just give myself the magic of, you know, plausible deniability. Um <laughs> and then I had an experience with Odin and um mm. that was just I just bit off a lot more than I could chew. <laughs> and was, you know, my my eyes were opened and um now I work with a few, you know, deities and systems. Apollo, I just think I really connect with. And this is, you know, a divinatory art. So it really is his domain. And I have a lot of Leo in my charts. We got the sunshine in there. So it kind of all just ties together. And I just go where I'm called. And I try to be a little uh, more humble now in my older age. <laughs> Good. Good move. Yeah, yeah. You, you should always go where you're called. Like I've told people, Artemis called me last summer, and that's the last TD I would ever, uh, would ever care yeah. about. Then again, I ended up writing a bio on Elvis, which was my 
least favorite rock star. I saw that so, and I saw yeah. you talking about that a couple episodes ago yeah. or something. And that's pretty amazing. <laughs> it got me yeah, thinking yeah. for sure. Yeah, go with it because, yeah, the uh, it's either pain or madness or just or worse, an average life if you don't follow these gods. Well, yeah, that that's terrifying to me. But uh, <laughs> there was a lot of pain with denying there there's so much uh crushing of the soul that comes with denying things for any reason and that's why i i say the humility definitely was a learned virtue for me because i was just like why would i follow this and now it's more so why wouldn't i it's very clear and it's clearly in front of me so here i go i i don't need to know why yeah it's great when you wake up one day and you say you know what my life is not about me. It's the best feeling in the world. It's what service or purpose do you have for higher forces? And your ego will, of course, kick and scream and make excuses, but too bad. That's a fun (laughs) part. That fight is always just a little fun. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So awesome. Um, Where do you want to go next? Do you want to talk about uh, what exactly is Hellenistic astrology? Have we covered that? Or you want to show some visuals? Yeah, I will do both of those things. How about that? So I kind of wanted to just show a little series of diagrams that I use to describe the difference in these two systems. You can go ahead and and share what I have up there. All right. Which is basically when you are talking about sun sign astrology and or you know your sun sign, if you're talking to a friend and you say this phrase, let's say I'm a Capricorn this is the information that you are relaying. This probably isn't going to make a ton of sense now, but as we go through these visuals, you'll understand. Um, But basically what you're saying is that your sun, one feature of your birth chart is in the sign of Capricorn. Um, At its very simplest, that's kind of what you're saying here. Now, basically from 300 BCE-ish, pretty far back, um, so that's what, like two, 2,300 years ish. Anytime someone said their sign, they were not talking about their sun sign. That is really recent in terms of astrology. That's maybe like less than a hundred years old that we all talk about sun signs and sun sign astrology, literally since the advent of Linda Goodman's sun sign astrology book, popularized sun sign astrology. So for two millennia plus Prior to that, when someone said their sign, they were actually talking about their rising sign because the rising sign is the part of the chart in Hellenistic astrology that talks about you, not the sun. I mean, the sun has something to do with you. We can't deny that. But Mm -hmm. um, what they were really talking about was the rising sign. So if you were to say, for example, I'm an Aquarius rising, uh, this is all the information I get from that. So if you said, I'm a Capricorn and you're talking about your Capricorn sun, I get that one little dot of information in Capricorn. But if you tell me I'm an Aquarius rising, I suddenly know, as Vance mentioned, which sign is associated with each house. Because in the Hellenistic method, we use whole sign houses, which is kind of just jargon to say, if Aquarius is in the first, then Pisces is in the second, Aries is in the third, Taurus in the fourth, and so on and so forth, all the way around the wheel and around the zodiac. So that's pretty pretty much a lot more information and a lot more helpful to hear from someone. Now, I think that we've seen a real popularity in this concept of the big three because of Chani Nicholas's excellent book, 
uh, you were born for this. Check that out if you're kind of interested in what I'm talking about. She uses whole sign houses as well. Um, but people know their big three commonly these days. So they'll say, I'm a Capricorn sun, a Leo moon, and an Aquarius rising, which is this chart, which is actually did try to get Elvis's chart for you, Miguel, but <laughs> we we only have dirty data on Elvis. So it was not very accurate. So I uh, I chose to roll with Bowie. So here we go. We're looking uh, at Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, my book, which will come out later this year, will have his... Uh... Maja Dau is did the whole his whole chart and things that happened cool. and all that, but but That's Bowie's awesome. great, yeah, yeah. Elvis two point Let's see the star. Yeah, I figured it was it was not it was a cousin, not a huge leap, but um, yeah, yeah. So commonly people will say, "I know my big three. So even then. That's a lot more information. Like if we think back about that Capricorn thing, I'm just knowing your Capricorn son, which actually tells me more about your relationship to your father than it tells me about you as a person <laughs> uh, in Hellenistic terms. So finally, if we actually kind of look at it and you tell me, I know my birth time, this is the kind of chart that I'm actually able to cast for you. So this is, mm -hmm. again, pardon the pun, so corny, but this looks like Greek to most people. And in mm -hmm. fact, a lot of my clients are like, I have a chart. I have no clue what to make of this document. And in your beautiful show description, you mentioned, you know, complex mathematics and philosophical principles. All of that is right here in this chart and unfortunately requires quite a bit of autodidactic study or scholarly pursuit to get to a point where you can kind of understand it. Like you mentioned, Vance, it can be really hard to uh, remember even just the aspects looking at, oh, that's squaring, but square doesn't count there because it's for a um, it's for a benefic, not a malefic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if we're looking at this chart, just to explain to anyone who's kind of unfamiliar with a, a, a chart, I just want to go over this. But these glyphs on the outside reveal the signs of the zodiac. Can you see my cursor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the numbers on the inside kind of reveal the houses, which are 30 degree slices of the sky. Um, and then these glyphs here are like planets, luminaries, so sun and moon, um, and things like Pluto, or we have Chiron, the asteroid here. We also have mathematical calculations like the lot of fortune or the midheaven. So it's just a lot of complicated information. And that is the deep irony when someone is like, I'm a Capricorn. It's like, oh. <laughs> Gosh, I need to come up with a good party response to to the sun sign astrology. Even the big three, it's interesting because none of what you're telling me in the big three is a planet even. That's like the two luminaries, the sun and the moon, and then your rising right. sign, which is also not a planet. So um, it's it's just really interesting. Yeah, but it's harder to pick up girls at parties like you used to see in the 70s. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you go on this big speech, oh, what's your is, sign, yeah. babe? <laughs> Even in the secular 70s and 80s, it was a big thing. And then there was the compatibility, right? Oh, yeah, you're a Virgo and I'm an Aries. Oh, no, that will never work. It'll you know? never yeah, yeah. work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight off the bat. All right. So. Yeah, no, people people are still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but um, it it's, it's just so much more complicated. I can see why there was this real push to simplify things and to make it easier to understand just like the tarot makes some of these 
universal truths and archetypes easier for us to apply to ourselves and use in our divination. It's a lot easier to use a tarot deck than it is to do an unguided 60-minute meditation and try to interpret these abstract universal truths that may have flown through your body at the time. Um, so I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's a busy world out there. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to uh, show maybe like a couple other things mm -hmm. and let me go ahead and pulse forward a few tabs backwards. So something you had mentioned was just the difference in the different charts. And I just wanted to kind of highlight that here. This is the more modern method of dividing the houses, which is called the Placidus house system. You can see. For example, the first house here is a lot bigger than something like the fourth house here. And that's because this system actually takes into account the degrees um, of the, co the constellations, whereas the whole sign house system, which I mentioned that is used in Hellenistic astrology, actually just carves 30 degrees out for each sign. And so you can get some very significantly different results for your chart. This is just kind of a novelty that I'm showing you. It's kind of similar to when people pull up a Vedic chart and they're like, look how different or a sidereal chart, which is all just jargon to say that there's a lot of different ways to, to look at your chart. And I definitely encourage people to take a look at many different systems and see what works for you. I admire you, Miguel, for trying again after you, you know, got one reading and you were like, this doesn't apply to me. It makes sense that different people, you know, resonate with different systems. And I think there's going to be some cool synthesis in the next little while here with computers that that will help us kind of make sense of why these different systems all seem to work in different ways. Mm, very cool. Yeah, I also think that it's just so interesting that throughout history, astrology has had a series of transmissions or moment it's it's both transmission and synthesis so transmission in the literal sense and i'm done with the slides for a minute so if you want to take that down you can but sure. uh transmission in the sense where you know first these texts were in greek and then they kind of were translated into arabic then they were translated into Latin, then they were translated into English at different points. So there's transmission like that and transmission that happens when different cultures came into contact with one another. Um, but there's also been moments that we're not sure as historians, I, I, I'm a professional astrologer, but an amateur historian, but as historians looking back, we don't have any evidence for why this thing was suddenly believed or promoted, mm -hmm. or even written about. And of course, some of that can be attributed to the fact that a lot of works were destroyed in the Great Library or elsewhere. Um, there's a really fantastic book called The Darkening Age about the effect that Christianity's rise had on artifacts and rituals and daily life uh, for modern historians. But there's just some gaps where we look at things and we're like, when did all of that come together as a system? And we have no proof or way of seeing it. And so I think in that way, I have always considered astrology to be a very hermetic art. 
and to have a lot of ties in. And in fact, of course, in the Hermetica, there are astrological texts. So, you know, in, in those ways, uh, what I'm saying isn't isn't new or novel either. Yeah, very true. I, obviously, the, the Hermeticists and the Gnostics were obsessed with the stars. And uh, obviously, the Gnostics had their own take as seeing the stars as ultimately bad. But you still had to know them because you had to know your enemy or fremenes, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> but in the yeah, end, in ancient times, uh, everything that was mysterious it just was put under Thoth or Hermes. It was just kind of like a repository of everything that was woo-woo in those times. And do you see, um, Alexandra, Hellenistic astrology, it comes from Babylonian? Is that its predecessor? Or what are some of the, what happened? Or do we know? Yeah, there are some scholars. There's a fantastic book uh, by Nicholas Campion on the history of Western astrology. It's in two volumes. I have a bunch of resources I can link to or put up afterwards. But um, he talks about, you know, even in prehistory, there are is evidence in bones and cave paintings that people were at least tracking, you know, moon cycles and different stuff going on. And because of what we know about early, our early ancestors or our later ancestors, rather, we know that they ascribe some sort of meaning to it. So if that's what we're considering astrology, then, you know, it, it may even be in that period. But I would say the earliest that we can definitively say, like human beings were definitely tracking omens that was happening in Mesopotamia in 2000, 1500, uh, before the common era. And we have some evidence of that. And then, you know, there was basically Assyrian astrological colleges that were happening after that. So we had state-sponsored astrology where the state was actually commissioning astrologers to scrutinize the state through astrology um, and sort of like divine what would happen in the lives of rulers or important people. So that's kind of where it it came from and we can see mm -hmm. things starting to get more organized and brewing through that process of that's one of those transmissions, right? Like the Mesopotamian, then into the like Babylonian tradition, Egyptian tradition. And then I think what's so cool about Hellenistic astrology is just that that period, let me backtrack. Hellenistic astrology does not mean Greek astrology. Um, it just talks about the type of astrology that was being practiced during the Hellenistic era. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize how diverse the social group of the Hellenistic period really was and how vast that empire really was. I guess as Americans, even some of us would take that for granted because it even at its biggest, that's probably like half the size of America or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we had all kinds of traditions coming together, being unified through the Greek language and through that empire, that Hellenistic empire after the death of Alexander the Great. So after that, that's one of those things I'm mentioning. We kind of, this is a little mysterious because we see all of a sudden this very unified system emerge that makes a lot of sense and has an internal logic and corresponds to itself in ways that it had not previously and really is at the heart of what people who are practicing traditional astrology today are trying to sort of reconstruct and get back to. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, like some people, we often use Jung as a cop out, so we don't have to really look hard. Uh, are we not going to use the aliens gave it to us cop out too? <laughs> <laughs> That's always a possibility. Could it be? It's always not saying it's aliens, <laughs> but it was aliens. Hey, they might yeah. have different constellations, so wherever they come from, you know. Yeah. I mean, they wow. they sure would. They'd have Earth in their natal charts. <laughs> so that'd Earth be rising. weird. They'd be like, that's the weird chaotic planet that just yeah, stay away from strange it. vibes to the chart. Yeah, yeah crazy <laughs> monkeys live on that place. Stay away from it. So. I, I will say we're about to enter fully into this Pluto and Aquarius period. Tracking Pluto through the signs is very interesting. Um, Pluto kind of surfaces our fears and hidden things, systems of control and power and manipulation. So like in 2008, when it went into Capricorn, which is a hardworking, industrious sign, we saw all of those things that happened in 2008. We saw financial crises. We saw criticizing, you know, the power systems, the housing market. Um, and so now we have it moving into Aquarius. I really think there's going to be some disclosure. I'm just trying to manifest it by putting it out there. But I think even more than has been happening, Pluto's been dipping in and out a little bit as it retrogrades. And we've been seeing a little bit coming out. And so I think it could be pretty interesting for us. Indeed. But uh, in the ancient times, of the Greco-Roman world, they, they wouldn't have had Pluto, would they? So they weren't, you know, aware of Pluto, but it, certainly existed at that time so you bring up a great point like in hellenistic astrology at that time and also now people who are working in that tradition really prioritize the planets that we can see with our eyes as human beings standing here on earth it Uh. makes a big difference so in terms of the rulership scheme this is getting a little into the jargon but um you know in modern astrology we've said that Scorpio is ruled by Pluto. Um, and it's like, that's first of all, Pluto is not a planet anymore. <laughs> for whatever. No, oh, <laughs> no, I didn't think of that, you know, when they demoted him. Yeah, for whatever that means, like, you know, to us, as we talk about universal truths and whatever the nomenclature means, um, it it's also just not a planet that we can see. It's a planet that takes 20 years ish to go through some of the signs. It's just not applicable to our lives in the same way. It's a generational entity that defines large generational shifts in mundane astrology in our culture and in our societies and in our politics, maybe, but not in in the daily life of individuals. And Chiron's not a planet either. So Yeah. There, Chiron is an asteroid. Yeah, if you're gonna have an asteroid, you can have Pluto. He's a yeah, and there those things are so interesting to look at. Like I said, you got to find what works for you because if that stuff interests you and those myths interest you and those, you know, archetypes interest you, dig in deeper. There's a reason. Follow that, and you, you know, there are really awesome books about asteroid astrology or fixed star astrology, uh, like in Brady's book of fixed stars, and all kinds of rabbit holes to go down. I think yeah. using astro.com, you can even plot where the Hadron Collider is 
uh, in the world on your chart. So. <laughs> I've got the Large Hadron Collider in my third house. You know. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're into timeline jumping, you can figure out where CERN was on your chart and go from there. <laughs> There's even a second moon, they say, quote unquote, moon that Earth has that orbits kind of orbits the sun, but it orbits the Earth too. It's got a very strange eccentric orbit, but it's kind of captured by the sun, by, by the Earth's gravity and the sun's gravity. And it won't be around forever, but for the next couple hundred years, it'll be around. I wonder if people have uh, integrated that into their systems. Wow. I, uh, I'm going to take a note for that and look that up later <laughs> because that's pretty interesting. I haven't heard of that, but I'm sure, you know, I think there's 30 to 60,000 uh, things you can plot on your chart in astro.com. So that has to be on there as well. But we have things like asteroids like Juno and Lilith and different rabbit holes people can go down. But Planet Nebru and all these. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and not to mention man made satellites. You, know, you could pick some of those. <laughs> <You're> good. <laughs> but going yeah. back to the, uh, I was jesting about the aliens, but. I don't know if you've read uh, Gordon White's great book, Astro uh, Starship, sorry. But he talks about Gobleki Tepe, and he talks about that, that how astrology or the stars were important. And the interesting about that city is that everybody thought, the seculars thought that first you start with, you know, shelter, then you build uh, a barn, then you build a farmhouse. Then you build governments, then you build universe, you know how it is, civilization should go that way. And then when you have all this time, you build temples and observatories for the, you know, the high class educated people. But Gobeki Tepe started the opposite. You start looking at the stars and civilization flows out of it. So it's interesting how the stars weren't there. I mean, they were everything to the ancients. If, yeah. if that city is right and the Babylonians and everything, it was without them, we might not be able to think or be educated or anything. I mean, it really was the true destiny evolutionary tool for humanity. Completely. I think um, Carl in the chat actually made a great point about, you know, these incorrect, some incorrect observations which were solved later in history, especially during the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. Um, those solutions kind of empowered people to just say, well, this art or this science or this astrology, which used to be astronomy, um, mm -hmm. is incompatible with our new paradigm. And that happened definitely in the Renaissance because of Christianity, although we have great Christian astrologers and they kept the tradition alive and not dead. Mm. And for that, we have to be grateful. But uh, we really see people, especially in the Enlightenment, being like, you know, this was just like a fool's work. This was uh, funny. You talk about women's intuition, I think, without you know, getting political about it. But I think astrology really is a thing that people just kind of say like, oh, that's silly girl stuff. Like that's in Cosmo magazine or whatever it is. And <laughs> or, or here goes astro astrology, twi astrology, Twitter. That's always people like to say, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> astrology, Twitter. It's so interesting, but people really threw out this knowledge, which as you say, it was 
everything to our ancestors and to the ancients. And so I think people do this with like food and nutrition and living simply as well. And they go, we want to live like our ancestors. And then the other side goes, yeah, but our ancestors had a life expectancy of 30 years. It's like, well, (laughs) there's something in the middle because there was something very true about eating, you know, not processed foods and uh, eating what was in season, et cetera. We can take those truths and also not put sand in our bread for our teeth. Uh, so there, there's got to be like a middle ground that we can find without saying there's no knowledge to be had in the stars. There just is. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. And I think, yeah, women's intuition has been squashed for thousands of years. And I'm happy that astrology, these uh, languages that women can express themselves and understand the universe are better because yeah, I think uh, linear time and the way that our society works is it really doesn't work for women. And I'm not, this is not denigrating because the women's power is the ability is this magic that is very real. It includes the, the pharmacia and everything else. And with tarot and astrology and all these things becoming popular, that's really going to empower women. And again, that's what that's going to help us lead us out of this, uh, incoming collapse of civilization if we don't watch out so like it was in ancient times so yes uh i certainly hope so but i will say that the astrological climate does get a little dicey over the next few years but hopefully on the other side of that hopefully we can call that transformation am i right vance (laughs) there you go we're gonna all transform (laughs) yeah i listened to austin's yearly thing and i'm like oh my god okay well he's usually right but yeah i know those yeah okay let's just accept world war three and get it over with what are you gonna do yeah, yeah astrologers are freaking out about that one the mushroom (laughs) transformation (laughs) not the tasty (laughs) kind yeah it's uh Oh, well, what are you going to do? Today's a good day, as they say. And in astrology, I think there's a there's a quote to, I was reading your, uh, checking out your website, and there's something called Sinistry. Could you explain to the audience what that is? Yeah, or maybe absolutely. some other things. Uh, so Sinistry is, is compatibility from one chart to another, basically. So... Sinistry would be uh, what we talked about a little bit earlier saying, oh, no, you're a Virgo and I'm a Pisces. Like, are we compatible? (laughs) I actually picked two signs that probably could be compatible. But you know what? Here's the thing about Sinistry. Any old sign can be compatible with any old sign. Like, you know, I don't think someone's astrological chart is necessarily a reason not to be with them. However, I definitely have had friends give me some birth data that I was like, miss that one. Skip that one find a new one. Um, but yeah, no, Sinistry is really talking about the the compatibility of two different things. And it doesn't have to be romantic individuals. It can be, you know, you and something else. In Hellenistic astrology, we cast charts for any and everything. So that time you submit your book proposal, that moment can tell us a little bit of something about how and why that book proposal was interpreted the way it was and whether it was accepted or not. So that's a a part of a branch of astrology called electional astrology. And so people often look for auspicious times to do different undertakings, have a marriage. That's a really common one or, you know, time in their life to have kids, et cetera. 
Yeah, in India, yeah, they'll wait for the right astrological time for a wedding or they will not have the wedding. They don't just say, we'll have it in June because the weather's nice. It's like the stars have to be aligned. Yeah. um, I can neither confirm nor deny that that is my current situation. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) yes, we share a child. No, I will not be marrying you until 2025. (laughs) Right, because that's okay, yeah. Hey, I think that's cool. Yeah, go. Don't mess with the stars. I'm with you on this one. Go with the stars. So, hey, Ronald Very- Reagan was said to uh, have uh, consulted uh, astrological charts. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's some a quote. Maybe it was like Warren Buffett or some one of these guys who says, you know, millionaires don't need astrologers, but billionaires yeah, do. And I mean, I can't. I can't help but agree. I just feel like. I try to uh, keep my culture diet to to a pretty healthy place just for my sanity. But every time I see something, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I'm just like immediately casting a charter, immediately looking at this or that, you know, the Titan submersible. I'm like looking up, when did it launch? I'm like this, Mm. I I love football. And so it's like a player gets hurt and I'm going to their birth chart if we have the data for it online. And I'm like, well, no wonder you're having eclipses in the sixth house. Like I could have told you that. And I just have have so many emails in my draft box of me reaching out to like prominent people being like, I could have told you this was going to happen. Like, please call me. (laughs) But I never send them because of that, uh, you know, humility thing. I'm like, who am I? I'm just some dorky old astrologer in my in my little office doing my stuff. But well, there is a good question, because if you say, hey, you know, like um, you're going to have an accident on this particular day, if you don't watch it, can they? avoid the accident then uh, given advanced information from astrology yeah so i think there's different opinions about that right so some it, i think it really depends on i guess it doesn't depend on our opinion but <laughs> uh we can have different opinions on the degree of predeterminism that happens and even in the hellenistic era they were talking about this the sort of range of partial to total determinism that you have to believe in to, you know, accept astrology as true. Because if you accept astrology as true, there's at, you're at least a partial determinist in that way. Um, although people really debated whether the planets were giving us signs or the planets themselves were causing what was happening. I think that most people in the modern paradigm would never, I just can't really see a huge enthusiasm or following for the idea that the planets are causing stuff in our lives just because of where our paradigm is. Like, I don't That's see that. That's a Gnostic stance right there, the archons, but yeah. But most would see a correspondence, yeah. a reflection. Yeah. And that's actually, like I mentioned, what kept astrology alive during the Christian era was people could say, oh, the stars are a gift from God. It's a, it's a way that yeah. God shows us what's going to happen to us to help us if we're pure or something (laughs) insert keyword here for christianity (laughs) um yeah but i think it, it really depends and to your point vance i have seen in people's charts as i mentioned earlier there are really some people who have patterns that just repeat 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 and are lifelong plagues so we look at bowie's chart for example you know he has the ruler of the fifth and the 12th, he has all these planets in the 12th and the 12th is what we call like a hidden house. And it's, it's kind of like a not great house. It's called the house of bad spirit. 
And there's so much there that has to do with the end of his life and the way that he had, you know, suffered from liver cancer for about 18 months in total silence. And nobody even knew that that was happening to him until it happened, but also creating some of his most, you know, legacy defining work during that time. So is that a pattern that was happening throughout his whole life? Obviously, I don't know him and he's not a client of mine, so I couldn't say for sure. But, you know, we have things like the ruler of the fifth and the twelfth, which looks like um, hedonism and like maybe like drug use and in overindulgence leading to mental unwellness or instability. So like, could we imagine that that's something that he was dealing with at certain points of his life? Sure. In addition. So there's different ways that these patterns play out. So yes, I I think that there is some degree that you personally, I think there is some degree that you can, I, I do believe there's a little bit of free will in the world. And I, I believe you could avoid an injury. And so I always tell my clients, hey, Mars is transiting your ascendant, like, be careful this week. And sometimes I tell them be careful, and nothing happens. And I don't know if that's my, my fault. I'm not going to take credit for that. But sometimes I tell them be careful, and they get two ear infections anyway, or you know, like we talked about on a, another podcast I do with Eric, who I saw in the audience, but like get bit by a tick and you get Lyme disease at that time. So it's like, I can tell you to be careful, but Mars is still transiting your ascendant. And I, I can't tell you why that's bad, but it is. <laughs> Very cool. Vince, any questions for you? I forgot to tell people about if they wanted to super chat questions. If you have any questions, yeah, they super know. chat them. Okay, <laughs> they know. All right. All right. Yeah. Dissident Jones um, has super chatted. Thank you. And uh, he wants to know, uh, in concern with your mentioning timeline jumping, can you give more of your thoughts on timeline jumping and or if you subscribe to human design? Yeah. Um, so human design is so interesting and it's as deep in to this direction of astrology as I am, human design goes in a slightly different direction, very deep. I have played around with it for myself and for others, and I do find it to be a, a really interesting system that gets to some really helpful places because of the way that that system is designed and its internal logic, it's kind of how we mentioned earlier, like tarot cards being a useful mediator or maybe like designed tool to help us. Human design is really helpful. I have never delved further into human design than casting a chart and reading it myself. And I'm not really sure if my ability to read that myself is just because of my astrological knowledge or because it is scrutable. I think it is pretty scrutable. And some of the keywords that they use in that system and the visuals, I just think are really helpful in understanding yourself. Like I cast a human design chart and was told that I was a manifesting generator. And there's a whole thing about this. And I'm like, I have never identified with anything so strongly. Um, but it definitely gets into more of the psychological elements. I think it's one of the more artful and accurate versions of modern psychological astrology that I've seen. Now, one last thing I want to say on that before we move on is just, I've definitely seen some sites or people promoting human design that look a little multi-level marketing-y. So just, you know, keep your eye, uh -oh. eye out. I don't think the whole system is cursed in that way, but I have seen some. So just, you know, keep an eye out. <laughs> the influence of the Egyptian pyramids. <laughs> yeah. MLM. 
<laughs> I must have. I must have missed. Uh, did you describe human design before? Because yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes I get distracted by the chat, and um, you know, I um, don't always hear. No, but. that question just came in. But human design is basically a a system created. It's a new age system and practice that it's like a it's like a self knowledge type practice that. I think has like a little bit of flavor of like self-development or, you know, self evolution, self-transformation. And it is really tied into astrology. So you put in all your astrological information and it outputs something that makes all that information a little more colloquial and a little more understandable, but it's very aestheticized and it, mm -hmm. it, um, it's parsed for you. So it's not like the chart that I showed you where it's raw data. Like these people have created keywords for certain placements and they show you how energy flows through your body. So it's really connected uh, to energy manipulation and a new age and so different things. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds similar to what we used to do back in the day when I was more active. Uh, we had books, you know, where, where you could take all the aspects and you'd look it up and say, oh yeah, yeah. my Mars is in the sixth house. This is good. And then you'd have to integrate all that together. You know, and you have to read about yourself and your personality based on your birth chart, naturally. Yeah, it's it is very kind of similar to that, and then like we'll generate a. Uh, it's it's very in intense when you see it. It's like a chart of the way energy flows through your body and how different planets' energy, to what degree they are affecting your conscious or subconscious. It's it's, it's very new age language applied to astrology and it can be very oh. helpful. Do they actually have a chart of a human body and they yeah. show you where the planets are and all that, uh, you know, because. Yeah, uh, not exactly the planets. Like I actually don't know what the little glyphs mean. I mean, even if you just Google human design and you take a look, it's got, you know, triangles and squares in some places, but it is oh. to, meant to map to a human body. I think it even has something to do with chakras and it, it implicates the chakras. <laughs> so it's very new age. It's kind of like a, a wow. gumbo. <laughs> that's like an AI came up with it. <laughs> feed your chart in, you know feed your chakras in. You know. Yes. Yes, fans. That is the feeling you get when you look at it. You're like, there's something uncanny about what I'm looking at. But at the same time, something here seems true and accurate to me. So I think it's fun to play around with. You can get your human design chart cast for free at a lot of places online. So I I don't see any reason to object if you're into the psychological stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I think on the timeline, Bobby, do you guys have opinions about that? Is this something you guys talk about on the show or are you familiar with this no. trend? Not, 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 not particular terminology. No. Yeah. I think there's like a, a a real movement with like things like the Mandela effect and there is actually, we mentioned CERN offhandedly, but there are, a there is a, a small but vocal contingency of people who believe that, you know, when the Hadron Collider is turned on, we're shifted into parallel universes or perhaps oh, yeah. universes are merged. Like that's kind of what people mean when they talk about like timeline jumping. Oh, jumping between multiverses, so to speak. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we do that constantly and instantly, you know, that that's, that's equivalent to free will, right? If you can somehow navigate yourself between multiverses that, that corresponds to your choices. Yeah. In life. 
What do you but the problem is your your birth charts are going to be your birth chart, right? You know, you know, you can't wake up and everything's in different places and you have different aspects and houses and everything. You can't do that. So maybe But you just- might, you know, if if we take the Mandela effect into account, like you might shift timelines where Saturn suddenly isn't evil and Saturn is a cuddly oh. teddy bear friend for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just go to a different astrologer. That's <laughs> right? true. That's a different very interpretation. Uh, you can't fool these things. I try to fool the I Ching, as I say, when I'm frustrated. And I'll try to like do a reading two hours later or in the middle of the night, and it'll still give me the same. It won't let me yeah. fool it. I know. <laughs> I will. That's uh, Astrology has certainly complicated my ability to like manifest because it's like I can sit there and pretend I believe all I want, but I no longer can really believe <laughs> if yeah, I yeah. see certain things. I'm like, wow, just have it's to harder to go into denial, which is such a great place for humans to go to. Yeah. Some people even think that uh, be, before you're born, uh, your your astral self or or whatever you imagine is uh, floating around out there about to inject itself into the human being. Um, it waits around until it gets the chart at once. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. I am definitely familiar with a version of that, which was espoused by some number of people. You know, we don't really know how popular certain things were during the Hellenistic era, but there was a belief that there were we live in a contained system of fate and that there are entities beings or deities that exist outside that system of fate and that's how the sort of like soul was cast like a lot down to earth into a body and at that time it kind of like picked up the qualities of the planets on its way down and that that is a version of that belief i think interesting interesting very interesting yeah I can't say whether I believe or have, I've definitely had Mandela effect experiences where I was like shook to my core. No. And then I look them up online and I find other people and then I feel validated and I've never felt a stronger urge to question my sense of reality than I do in those moments where I see a bunch of other people also remembered that being that way. Most recently, this is so frivolous, but I remember that a gallon was 96 ounces of water and it's 128 ounces of water. And I was just obsessed and livid and Googling until I found the other people who also remembered the gallon had less ounces. Yeah, I know it's very validating, but then I'm also like, have I been on the internet too long today? Should I sign off? <laughs> <laughs> well, all of us, if we're in the into the occult, we know time isn't yeah. linear, but yeah. we still are holding on to like, oh, how dare the past change is like, you know, we subscribe to this. This is part of our belief system that, you know, time is not linear or, you know, as True Detective season one, time is a flat circle. It's, no, it's not. It's it's pretty messy. And the future is affecting the past and all these other versions of ourselves. Of course, the needle of our consciousness as it gets, you know, travels the groove of the record of our lives, maybe it skips sometimes a couple of grooves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that visual. Yeah. I think that's one of those things that's kind of above my pay grade where it's like, I, it's very fun to think about. And um, I, I'm one of those people who can hold 10 conflicting ideas as true all at one time in my brain, like a little sieve. Yeah. Uh, but. Yes. I have no I have no authority or like 
<laughs> I couldn't offer you, you know, a, a concrete opinion. And that's definitely not a hill I would die on, but it's so interesting to think about. And on Tuesday, I might believe that because of the ounces thing. And then on Thursday, I might be like, nah, I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you said you like football. Who's your favorite football team? Oh, I'm a, I'm a Packers person since I was mm. pretty young. Really? So yeah, when that Aaron Rodgers injury happened, I immediately pulled up his birth chart, immediately ran, not walked. And I was like, he was having an eclipse right in the house that signifies illness and injury. Oh, um, oh. And having some powerful transits right there. And this uh, I love about the astrology community um, is that we talked about it being a hermetic art, but I think a lot of astrologers really think about themselves as like translators. And that's really how I feel about it as well. It's just like, I don't know why it's true. I don't have any opinions really that I would, you know, die for about why it's true or why it works or how it works. I just know that it does. And so I am happy to translate and to keep learning techniques and to use them to make the lives of my friends, family, and clients better. Um, but I have no idea why it works. <laughs> I know that's like no, not it's, very... It's just, it's a language. <laughs> it's a language. And language sometimes creates reality. Is Or when Owen Barfield said, and the greats in our in our history, whether it's Jung or Crowley or even Token, they can change history just by creating a new language. That's what they give us. So you're just translating the language of the stars. And for Aaron Rodgers, I would reach out to him, Alexander, because he's into alternative science and yeah. conspiracy and ayahuasca. So he would probably take your email address and hire you. I mean, I know. I'm also you? totally confounded because I saw, you know, he got like a, a tattoo with like three zodiac signs. And I was looking at his chart and he has two of them are prominent signs in his chart. And one of them is not. And I'm like, Aaron, tell us why you put that third sign on there, please. <laughs> Please let us know because why is that on there? Yeah, (laughs) well, you know, maybe he went to a Vedic astrologer or you know, got like a totally different system, and it was so funny. Yeah, got lost in the woods and met some shaman and did it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we are getting to the end. Uh, If somebody wants to work with you, where can they find out more about you? Uh, I have the link in the show notes, but in audio and what can they expect uh, when they work with you? What's the process? Sure. So I am at uh, the number nine, nine lives astrology.com. And that is my handle on Instagram as well at nine lives astrology. My email is nine lives astrology at gmail.com. So if you want to send me an email, what you can expect is uh, I'm a champion of the dying art of telephone switchboard operating. So if you're <laughs> like, hey, you mentioned this thing, do you have resources about that? Or I'd love to learn more about Mesopotamian astrology, or I'm interested in, you know, the destruction, the the Christian rebels wrought upon the antiquity, the treasures of antiquity, <laughs> I could provide you with some awesome books, links, podcasts if you're interested in learning more about Hellenistic astrology. You know, I'm I am a professional astrologer, but I am certainly not the most prominent voice or scholarly voice on this area. And I could point you in the direction of those people. And so feel free to hit me up on my email if you have any kind of questions or want referrals or resources or anything like that. 
even if you have questions about your own chart, I commonly get questions like, hey, could you just cast a chart for me? Yeah, of course. Or if you're wondering, you know, quick and easy question, I'm I'm always happy to to do that for people. Um, if you are wanting to dig in more into your chart or learn about specifically kind of what's going to happen to you in the next X number of months or years, that is something that I love to do for people. And that's my favorite part of this art is just helping to give people a little bit of information about what's coming down the pipeline for them. So that's the type of booking that I sort of am booked for most prominently. I also have a feature on my chart that's just ask an astrologer. So if you're like, hey, I just want to spend 20 minutes with you grilling you about something or <laughs> um, you know, telling you why you're wrong about something, you can actually go ahead and book that too. I'll take that. Um, and then finally, I am over at the Spirit World Center. Every month I do an astrology preview. I actually have a, a blog post on my website about how you can kind of personalize those readings. I think people sometimes are like, how does this apply to me? I have a whole guide on how that will work. So if you're interested in learning on a month-to-month basis and hearing an astrological preview of like what's coming up in the month from a Hellenistic perspective, Eric over at the Spirit World Center and I do that every month. And we actually do it specifically for people interested in the occult and for spiritual sciences and people who are spiritualists or spiritually inclined at all. So we pick out some auspicious spiritual dates and we talk about what dates are good to use for what kind of deities or what kind of practices. And so that can be a really useful resource for people too. Um, that you can find on Apple Podcasts it's called the Spirit World Center Podcast. And I dropped it in the chat and that's where I am most frequently. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Spirit World Center. I've been on there and uh, Eric connected us. So yeah, cool, cool cats. And uh, anything from you, Vance? I think I saw we saw thanks to Chester as always. And uh, any last questions from you or anybody? Or No, I, I don't see any other questions in the chat. And they were pretty good tonight. And I was just pondering, <laughs> you know, I think Apollo must be mad. You know why? Because everybody else is like Jupiter, Saturn, they've got their names. But we say the sun is here or the sun is there. Why? Why not Apollo, you know? I still think of it that way. You know, just a quick anecdote. I know we're wrapping up, but we had record heat this year in in Texas. And I had been working with Apollo for a while. And I I saw some of these like epithets for him that are like averter of evil and all the stuff. I'm like, that's just not the experience I've had. And then when it's like 110 degrees and you are with every step wilting and your will to exist outside your home is just wilting and shriveling with every step, I really felt like I understood those epithets and how the heat can really be purifying. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Paulo certainly, oh, all the gods have a shadow side. It's just yeah. what makes them cool, so... The dark sun. Hey, what what about the dark sun? How um you know the, you know what the, about the black cold sun, sun theory? You guys, we haven't gotten into any of this. <laughs> oh no. So much, so much. Next time, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah. it's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate it. And you know, let me know if you ever want to do any kind of preview or if you want an alternate opinion on your chart, Miguel. I'm happy to provide that for you. Uh fine. Yeah, I'll take you up on it. Because again, uh according to my chart. Right now, I should be teaching at a university, doing a lot of traveling and oh, working with my hands. Got it. 
and and nothing has happened. Obviously, I can't work with my hands because it's you know below freezing and everything's dead. So yeah. So I don't know. I'm just I'm. I'll reach out to you because I'm frustrated. <laughs> and I do remember living in Texas. I remember the worst thing was you you leave the house, you get into your car, you turn on the AC. By the time you get to the store, the AC starts working, but you're dripping. Dripping and sweat. It's already 70 it degrees Fahrenheit here. Yeah. And then you walk into, let's say, a store and it's 50 degrees. You almost have a heart attack. It's, just... <laughs> it's a strange experience. <laughs> hey, Miguel, you work with your hands. Your fingers are on your hands and your fingers do a hell of a lot of work, don't they? <laughs> yeah, click clack counts as work. With the hands. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking like out there and, you know. Hammer, helping chisel. My, yeah, helping my wife shovel. with the garden, which I like. Yeah. yeah, that stuff like that too. So. But, oh, well. 20th century stuff (laughs) (laughs) all right well awesome well uh everybody in the audience uh thanks for your support uh good comments i see everybody yeah everybody's got it going there's even some alexandra blair who talks a lot in the chat but she seems to be contributing well uh (laughs) just kidding but uh, vance thanks for keeping us company and keeping the chat honest as always, a pleasure. And thanks, Alexandra. Uh, thanks for uh, brushing my knowledge up a little bit on astrology, which is so rusty that they ought to have a sign in the heavens for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my that's in your chart too. Rust. <laughs> awesome. Yes, Alexandra, thank you very much. And yeah, good luck with everything. And we look forward to having you on in the future if the stars will allow it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers. All right, everybody. Good night. Yeah, we got uh, a, a show on. Let's see. We got a show on Solomonic magic coming up and King Solomon with uh, Sarah Mastros and then a show on communism, the esoteric side, the evil side. So stay tuned and a lot more good content coming later. So everybody, good night and uh, have a good rest of your week. Take care. Yep. Take care.